doctor and an explorer, all in one person. I heard one person say that it's as if Abraham Lincoln, Neil Armstrong, and Mother Teresa were all one person. Today we're talking about David Livingston. Hello, my name is Laura Lee Siemens, and I'm your host here at the Church History Podcast. Over the last few weeks, we've been covering missionary stories from the 1800s. These stories all overlap, and I hope you're finding the stories of the church from this period to be inspiring. I want to tell you a scary yet kind of funny story that happened to me about 10 years ago. My husband and I were in Costa Rica celebrating our 10th anniversary. We were out in the water enjoying the waves when suddenly, When my back was to the waves, I saw someone's face and realized there was a big wave coming. I turned around just as it hit me. I spun under and I couldn't find my footing. Just as I found my footing and was able to stand, another wave hit me. This happened quite a few times and I was getting just a few breaths of air before I was hit again. Finally, I was able to find my footing and stand and get out of the water and make it to shore. While it was really scary, once I made it to shore, I started laughing. This last year has been like that day on the beach. It seems like life is hitting me with one surprise wave after another. And just when I think I found my footing and get a breath of air, I'm hit again. In the middle of this storm, it can feel like God has disappeared from view. But the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. These cloud of witnesses are those who've gone before us, and this is one of the reasons we study church history. In the last few weeks, we have heard the stories of men and women of God who have faced tragedy after tragedy. Sometimes they struggled in the storm. We saw that with our last episode in the story of Judson, who in despair went into the jungle full of tigers for a month, expecting to die. We see that despair in our hero today as well. And it encourages me when I know that even the great men and women who've gone before us have struggled. Let's take a look at the life of David Livingston. David Livingston is known for his work in Africa in the 1840s. He is most known for traveling and mapping out the continent of Africa. He would cross from east to west and map out the Zambezi River and discover the Victoria Falls. He's also known for his work in the abolitionist movement, and his books wrote about the horrors of the African slave trade. Before we can look into the life of David, we have to start at the very beginning. March 19th, 1813, baby David was born in Scotland to a poor family. He grew up in a large family and they lived in a small room meant for just a single tenant. David's father would buy tea at a wholesale price. Then he went door to door selling it to make money to support his family. His father wanted David and his siblings to have a future and to see the world beyond the poor mill district where they lived. David's father would read to them at night. He read them stories of missionaries and stories of explorers. They talked about other countries 
and how people in other countries lived. Although the family was very poor, they grew up with an understanding of the world and a sense of adventure and hope for the future. Because he was in a poor family, it was expected that by the age of six, he would begin working to help support his family. However, his mother and father wanted him in school, so they sent him to school for four years. During those four years, he learned the basics of reading and math. When he was 10 years old, he had to leave school and start working. He was sent to work at the cotton mill in town. He would wake up early and be at work by 6 o'clock in the morning, and then he would work until 8 o'clock at night. Since David had learned to read, he would bring books to the mill and prop the books up so he could read while he worked. And he started to learn more languages. At the age of 10, David knew that knowledge was his way to freedom. He started attending night school, and he also went to school on weekends. One day, Livingston's pastor, Reverend Moore, gave David a book called The Philosophy of a Future State by Dr. Thomas Dick. This book said you could get to know God by studying nature. You could see who God is by seeing how he created the world. David was fascinated by science and loved this book. And it was through this book that David came to Christ and gave his life to Christ. At the age of 19, David was sitting in church when his pastor read a letter from Dr. Charles, a missionary to China. That day, David gave his life to God and promised to serve God as a missionary. And he planned to go to China as a medical missionary. We talked about this period and the call for missionaries to go to China in our episode, Hudson Taylor. Most children working in the mill would be dead by the time they were in their 20s, but David survived. When he was in his late teens, he applied to the University of Glasgow. Now, the university was shocked to receive an application from a mill child. They asked David to come to the school and take a test. He passed the test with flying colors, and the school was so impressed, they allowed him to come and study. After some time, though, he had to take time off of school and return to the mill and work to make more money so he could go back and finish school. David graduated with his medical degree, and then he joined the London Missionary Society. To be accepted as a missionary, he would have to preach a sermon in front of the Missionary Society. He stood at the front of the church, looking out at the crowd. And he suddenly panicked. Who was he to stand there and preach a sermon? He was just a poor mill kid. He was no one. He panicked and ran off the stage. A man in the audience felt bad for him and promised to mentor him if the mission board would give him another chance in six months. They agreed. So for six months, his mentor worked with him, and the second time, he was able to preach a sermon. It wasn't great. The mission board could see he was not a gifted speaker, but he was planning on going to China, and he would probably only speak to small groups of people. So they passed him. Are you enjoying this podcast? Do you want to support this podcast? Well, pour yourself a cup of coffee and imagine waking up each morning with a reminder from our church fathers. Check out our Etsy page where you can find mugs with quotes from great men and women of God. You'll find a link in the show notes. And now, back to our episode. Now, he was finally ready to be a missionary. He was planning to go to China. But the war had broken out between Britain and China, the Opium Wars. 
and no missionaries were allowed to enter China. After years of studying, suddenly his plans seemed ruined. Then David heard a man named Reverend Moffat speak. Moffat was a missionary to Africa. In the 1800s, people only believed that there were people living on the coasts of Africa. But Reverend Moffat believed that there were people living deep in the jungles of Africa, people who had never heard the gospel. David suddenly knew this is where God was calling him, not just to Africa, but to the very center of the continent. He would go to a place no missionary had been to, and to a people no one had reached. On December the 8th, 1840, 27-year-old David Livingston boarded a ship headed for Africa. A child raised as a pauper, a survivor of the child labor mill, now headed to Africa to explore the inner parts of a continent no one had visited before. But nothing in Livingston's life was easy, and his trip to Africa was no different. A storm came up upon the ship and the main mast, and all the sails broke. Now the ship had no way to navigate. Once the storm ended, everyone on board was helpless. Slowly the boat drifted and eventually landed in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. After a week, the boat was fixed and they could continue their trip. 1841, a ship docks in Port Elizabeth on the southern coast of Africa. On board, David Livingstone. He thought he was arriving in Africa to start churches. He had no idea that God had brought him here to end the slave trade and create a way for the people of Africa to take their destiny into their own hands. The first thing David did was buy a wagon and a team of oxen. He then traveled to the areas where the missionaries had settled. Even this trip was full of danger, and he almost died multiple times. He was attacked by wild animals. Upon arrival at the missionary settlement, David was able to help with the church there. Every week, around 400 people would attend. Yet, in the last 20 years, only 40 had come to Christ. David began to push for the missionaries to set up an area north. The missionaries said no one knew if there was even any people out there. They didn't know what the land looked like, and they didn't even know if there was people living there. The Reverend Moffat was still in London, so David and some other missionaries decided to head north and try and discover what the land looked like. They traveled 200 miles into the inner parts of Africa, and there they found a tribe. They spent five days living with the tribe and used their medicine to help the sick, and they also shared the love of Jesus with them. When they decided to return, to let the missionary society know what they had found, the tribe didn't want them to leave. They were fascinated with these men, and they promised that they would return. It was while returning to the mission society that something happened that changed David forever and started him on a journey that would change Africa and the rest of the world. It was the evening, and David had stopped traveling and was setting up his campsite for the evening. He heard a noise that sounded like a crying child. He looked around and found a little girl hiding under his wagon crying. He coaxed the girl out and brought her to his campsite. Once he had gotten her to stop crying, she told him her mom, dad, and older sister had died. Her uncle had taken her and traded her to be the wife of a warrior. David was shocked. This was a little girl. She couldn't be anyone's wife. The girl said that she had friends living in the tribe the men had just been in, and she wanted to live there with that tribe. 
She begged the men to please bring her to the tribe and let her live there. But then the warrior showed up. He had not actually planned to marry her, but to sell her as a slave. David saw this little girl and could not bear the thought of her being a wife or a slave. He could not think of her being sent on a slave ship. He found some beads in his bag, and he bought the little girl back with the beads. He then took her to the tribe where she wanted to live, and they promised to take good care of her. That moment was the start of David wanting to find a way to end the slave trade, and it would be the first of many horrible encounters. For the next four years, David traveled to many different villages. He helped dig wells for villages, giving them clean drinking water. He learned languages. He helped try to find cure for malaria. He dug a channel from a spring to give another tribe water and built a garden with a water system for another tribe to have food even during a drought. He then decided to travel to a part of Africa where they could only go by foot. The desert sand would not allow wagons to travel. So David headed off on foot. After walking for two weeks, he found a tribe no one had heard of. The tribe had 3,000 people. David preached the gospel there, and the chief became a Christian. And this would be the only convert in David's missionary time. The chief had multiple wives. He realized as a Christian he could not have all of these wives. The problem was that each of the wives had been part of a peace treaty with other tribes. He told the wives they had done nothing wrong, but he was a Christian now and could not be married to so many women. He gave them money and clothes and then told them they were free to marry other people. The problem was that the fathers of these women were chiefs of other villages, and they saw this as the end of the peace treaty and the tribe ended up going to war. And the chief eventually backslid back into his old life. So the only person to become a Christian under David's preaching started a tribal war, and eventually the man returned to his own life. You may be wondering at this point why David Livingston is still today one of the most respected missionaries. Well, keep listening. But as you can understand, The missionary stations at the time were concerned that perhaps David didn't have what it took to be a missionary. While visiting another tribe, David found the chief's son and he was dying of dysentery. So he stayed at the boy's bedside, caring for him until he recovered. The tribe is so happy that the boy was okay that they accepted David and they were willing to hear what he had to say. While no one came to Christ hearing David preach, in each tribe, He didn't leave until there was a mission station set up and missionaries were settled in the area. During this time, David wrote letters and journals about the things he was seeing. These letters and journals were published all over Great Britain. He wrote a lot about seeing the slave trade. He wrote about seeing families ripped apart, children being taken from their parents. He wrote about finding piles of bodies where slaves who had died during the trip and their bodies were just left behind. He wrote about finding bodies hanging from trees. He wrote about canoeing through the waters and their paddles hitting the bodies of slaves who had drowned trying to escape. These letters were used by the abolitionists in Great Britain to end the slave trade. While David was in Africa, on July 26, 1833, 
Britain passed the law ending the slave trade in all areas controlled by Britain, and this included some areas of Africa. This was also the same month that William Wilberforce died, and I did a couple episodes on his life. I would definitely recommend going back and listening to those. In 1843, the missionary David had first heard speak, Moffat, returned to Africa. He came with his wife and three daughters. David was really excited to get to know the family. Moffat was a hero to David, and he was excited to tell him about all the places he had discovered and all of the mission stations he had set up. A few months later, David left to travel again and discovered another tribe. Once again, he helped with medicine and began setting up a missionary station. Now this area was full of lions, and one day, a lion had reportedly attacked sheep in one of the pastures. Livingston ran out to the field and helped scout out the area, and he spotted a lion hiding in the grass. He aimed his rifle at the lion's shoulder and fired. The lion leaped at him, scratching his arm and shaking him. His arm was in the lion's mouth, and David could hear his bones breaking. Then one of his friends fired a gun and struck the lion in the chest. The lion then pinned David to the ground. Then the lion jumped to his friend and grabbed his leg. Before the lion was finally killed, the village warriors threw dozens of spears at it. David was wounded and almost died. He was taken back to where the Moffats lived, and one of his daughters named Mary helped nurse David back to life. Although his arm never fully recovered, he was nursed back to health, and during this time he got to know Mary well, and the two fell in love. David would write in his journal that he dreamed of marriage and children. On January the 2nd, 1845, Mary and David were married. They would be married for 17 years and have six children. One of the things David Livingston believed strongly in was that missionaries should stay out of politics. They should never take sides in tribal wars. However, David ran into problems with a group known as the Boers. The Boers were Dutch people and some French people. They were part of the Huguenots. And we talked about the Huguenots back in our episode, The Dutch Golden Age, which was recorded on September 21st, 2020. You can go back and listen to that. Now, the Boers had come to Africa in the 1600s. The British had taken control of Cape Town in 1795, and the Dutch hated the British because of this. In 1843, just two years before the Livingstones' marriage, Britain had declared slavery banned in any territory they had controlled. This included Cape Town. The Boers did not see David as a missionary. They saw him as a British man marking territory for the British to take control over. So the Boers declared war on David. But David refused to engage in their fighting, and eventually they left him alone. At this point, the transatlantic slave trade was ending because the British had outlawed it. But the Arab slave trade was still in full swing. While here in the West, we know a lot about the transatlantic slave trade, we're not taught about the Arab slave trade. It's also known as the Arab Muslim slave trade, the Trans-Sahara slave trade, or the Eastern slave trade. And it's the longest slave movement. It lasted for 1,300 years. It took millions of Africans from their home. Most believe it was probably around 9 million men, women, and children who were taken were 
the Arab Muslim slave trade. The area of Zanzibar was the area where most of the slave trade came from, and they also trafficked in cloves and ivory. They took slaves from Sudan, Ethiopia, and Somalia, and they were shipped across the Indian Ocean, the Persian Gulf, and the Arabic Peninsula. They were taken to Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Iraq. The slave traders were Muslims, and it was against their law to enslave another Muslim. So, many converted to Islam to keep their families from being taken. It's estimated that 50% of the slaves taken died before reaching their destination. The women were seen as worth more because they could have children and therefore create more slaves. So, more women were taken than men. As Livingston traveled the inner parts of Africa, he continued to run into the Arab slave trade, and he didn't know how to end it. The British had already ended the slave trade in any parts of Africa they controlled. But the area they didn't control was still being destroyed by slave traders. David Livingston believed if he could map out the whole continent of Africa, this would give the people in Africa a way to control their own destiny. They would be able to take their rich resources and bring them to markets around the world. They could stop trading their own people and instead trade their spices and food. And this became David's main goal. Do you love learning about church history and love this podcast? This podcast is being turned into a book series and the first book is now available for sale. You can find the link in the show notes. And now back to our episode. After eight years of mission work in Africa, David decided to travel into the heart of Africa to find a route across the country. His oldest son, a little boy, loves adventure and begs his father to let him come. And David agrees. The family will travel together. Mary was pregnant at the time, and the young couple, with their little children, leave and head into the jungle. The journey starts well, but after some time, the two oldest children become sick, and the family is forced to return. Once they return home, Mary went into labor and gave birth to their daughter Elizabeth. However, sadly, baby Elizabeth passed away when she was only two months old. A year later, Mary was pregnant again, and her father asked David to please not take his family with him when he went into Africa to map out the land. David agreed. He had endured so much as a child, and he wanted his children to not be forced into a life that was not meant for children. David took his family to Cape Town. After some time, he asked Mary to take the children back to Scotland. David then embarked on one of his longest trips, heading across the continent of Africa. He wrote in his journals about the animals he found, including spiders. He also mapped out the area as they walked. He traveled through Zambia, the floodplain, and Mongolia. He was in awe of the land. He would write, Food abounds and requires very little labor for its civilization. No manure is required. He found tribes and worked with them and got to know them and would leave once they had gotten to know and respect him and were open to having missionaries come and live with them. He helped the tribes with medical needs. He was in awe of the mountains he saw, writing that they were greater than anything the Swiss could brag about. He was in awe of the rivers and the waterfalls he found. This was the most beautiful land he could ever imagine. But yet, everywhere he went, he found more Arab slave traders and discovered the bodies of the slaves that had died en route. At one point, he came across over 300 bodies. 
There were so many bodies that crocodiles were resting in the sun, leaving the bodies alone. They had stuffed themselves to the point where they left the rest of the bodies alone. David also ran into Portuguese slave traders. Portuguese were also killing elephants and taking their tusks to sell. What David saw as a problem is that the slave traders were getting very wealthy, and because of that, they could afford weapons. So there was nothing David could do when he came across a group of slave traders. He would have to stand by and watch as men, women, and children were being forcibly walked in chains across the deadly terrain of Africa. At one point, David thought about getting a gun as a weapon to protect himself, but he decided against it. He also discovered three hospitals that were being run by Englishmen who claimed to be helping rescued slaves. However, the hospitals were fronts and were actually holding centers for the slaves. The slave trade was a horror that David thought would never end. He believed the only thing that would help was the gospel. He believed if the people had a firm faith, they would not be so easily tricked into the slave trade. And that is what he wrote in his journal. And the people, having no religion and no restraining motive, but following every evil passion as far as they may without risk. They are timid, and on that account, the conquerors can live among them in safety. He found many coffee plantations and knew, once he had continued mapping out, they would be able to trade coffee and would not need the slave trade to make money. He tried to convince the people who were making so much money from the slave trade that there was a better way to make money. On November the 3rd, 1855, David made one of his greatest discoveries. As he walked along the land, marking it, he could hear noises up ahead. The closer he got, the louder the noise. But nothing prepared him for the sight he saw as he stepped through the trees and into the sight of the largest waterfall in the world. He named it after the queen. Victoria Falls. After four and a half years, David finally made it across the continent. No one had heard from him for almost five years. He was barely recognizable. His pale Scottish skin had been burnt many times by the African sun. His arm was in a worse condition. He walked with a limp and he was missing teeth. He decided to head to Scotland to be reunited with his family. His ship docked in Egypt and there was mail waiting for him there. He had a letter from his mother with the sad news that his father had passed away. He had so hoped to see his father and tell him about all the adventures he had had. When David arrives in Scotland, he finds his children living with his parents, but his wife Mary had gone on to London. She was sick and looking for medical care and was living there with friends. David traveled through all of Great Britain speaking, The man who was afraid to speak suddenly had an audience of thousands. He told the horrors of the slave trade. At one point, he was awarded a medal for his work, but he said he would not receive any congratulations until the slave trade was completely ended. He was even brought to see the Queen of England, who wanted to hear about his travels and about the land of Africa. The Missionary Society wanted to publish a book about his adventures. However, David did not want to only have an audience of these interested in funding the mission society. He wanted everyone to hear the horrors of the slave trade and to see the beauty of the land of Africa. And he wanted everyone to see the people of Africa as a beautiful people group, one to be protected and loved, not hunted and traded. So David instead published his book with a scientific publisher. 
He talked about the animals, specifically some different types of spiders. He also talked about the country and the people. The book was called Missionary Travels and Researches in South Africa. It's still today one of the biggest sellers of all times. Charles Dickens read his book and loved it. He began to talk about the book as he traveled, and because so many people respected Charles Dickens, they began to read his book and then tell more people about it. A little boy from the mill who would prop up books of explorers to read as he worked is now one of the most famous explorers alive and a best-selling author. Mary and David and their children spent six months together in a villa outside London. It was a time of reunification and rest for the family. Then it was time to return to Africa. However, the Mission Society refused to cover David as a missionary, since only one person had come to Christ, and that one person had returned to his old life. They saw David as a failure as a missionary. David said he was creating paths for other missionaries. He had set up countless mission stations and created working relationships with tribes. While he was not personally responsible for leading people to Christ, he had literally paved the way for others. However, the Mission Society would not back down. But the Geography Society was happy to pay for David to continue his work. They were excited to learn more about the land and the animals and find pathways for trade routes. In 1858, the family returned to Africa. David returned first. Mary was pregnant again, and she would come after giving birth to their daughter, Anna Mary. While waiting for his family to arrive in Africa, David takes another trip into an area he'd not been to before, to map it out. He found a tribal area where the slave traders had come. They had taken the entire village and then burned the village to the ground. Scattered around the burned village, were the bodies of those who had tried to fight off the slave traders. He'd been out of Africa for a year, and upon arriving he was face to face with the worst slave site he had seen. It took four years for Mary and the children to make their way back to Africa. When they finally arrived, David was so excited to see his family again. The family was finally reunited. But then Mary fell ill with malaria. David used every cure he could and every cure he had seen anyone use for malaria, but he couldn't help her. At the age of 41, in 1862, Mary Livingston died. For the next two years, David's life began to spiral downward. He was depressed from the death of his wife. His children moved back to Scotland to live with his family. David sold everything he had, including his boat, to pay for his children's education but he wanted to make sure that they were attending a good school. He then went back into the jungle to finish mapping out the route he had promised to the Royal Geographical Society, only to find rapids and realize the entire route was blocked and he would have to start again and find a completely different route. Then, two mission stations he had set up were attacked and the missionaries were killed. The London Mission Society blamed him, even though he had told the missionaries to stay out of politics, and they had ignored his advice. They had gotten involved and taken sides, and that had led to their deaths. As he emerged from one of his long trips into the jungle, he learned his oldest son had decided to come to Africa to find him, but his boat had docked in Boston, and he'd gone to shore in the middle of the American Civil War. A rich family had taken him and forced him to take their son's place in the war. 
So, a Scottish boy on his way to Africa had been forced into the American Civil War. He was captured and killed, and his tomb is today at Gettysburg. David Livingston had no funding. The Mission Society would only fund him if he wouldn't do any scientific research. The Geography Society would only fund him if he would do no evangelism. He was alone, in a hut, in the middle of Africa. Someone had stolen his medication for his pain. He was sad, depressed, alone, in pain, and saw no reason to keep living. He prayed to God, Please, take me home. I've done all I can do for you. My job is done. He laid down in his bed and closed his eyes. He would simply allow himself to die. He would stop fighting. As he laid there, waiting to die, suddenly a man entered his hut. He looked up to see a European man standing in his hut. He stared at him. Dr. Livingston, I presume, the man said. David was so confused. He stared at this man. The man pulled out of his bag a package. In it were letters from his children, his mother, and pain medicine. A miracle. This man was a hardcore atheist, but God used him for this miracle and was about to do many more miracles through this man. In our next episode, you're going to find out who this man is, why he was in the middle of an African jungle with letters for David, and how God used him to encourage David to keep going. So make sure you like and subscribe to come back next week to find out the ending to our story on David Livingston. To hear more podcasts, read some blogs, or watch videos, check out all my content at lauraleesiemens.com. 